Hello, welcome to another episode of the Stars podcast series Shattered Lives. I'm Michael O'Toole, the paper's crime correspondent. Jonathan Dowdall has now completed seven days on the witness stand in the Special Criminal Court. He is the main state witness in the case against Jerry Hutch, also known as the Monk. Now, as usual, here are the terms and conditions before we get into today's evidence. Mr Hutch is on trial at the non-jury court where he is charged with the murder of Daniel Kinnan associate David Byrne at the Regency Airport Hotel in Dublin on the 5th of February 2016. That's a charge he denies. Two other men, Jason Bonney and Paul Murphy, are also on trial. They are accused of helping a crime gang carry out the murder by providing it with cars, but are not charged with the murder itself. Like Mr Hutch, they deny the charge and all three are now on trial. Joining me now to discuss yet another day in the trial is the Star's chief reporter Paul Healy and we also have a cameo appearance for later from series producer Kieran Bradley who attended court today. But we'll talk to Paul first. Okay Paul, so seven days now for Mr Dowdall. That must be taking its toll on him, is it? Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, it seems like Jonathan Dowdall, it's almost like as if he's ready to explode at this point. Uh, he's getting extremely frustrated throughout the day. Uh, today, much like yesterday, he continued to ask, you know, how much longer is this going to go on for? I'm six days, I'm seven days here now, he kept saying. And at the end of the day today, uh, he directly asked the judge, how much longer do I have to be here, judge? How much longer am I going to be here? Um, and and Miss Justice Tara Burns told him um, that it really isn't up to her in relation to that. Brendan Grahan is doing his cross-examination uh, of the witness and it's up to him to conclude that process. But we do know, I would still be pretty satisfied that it's going to end for the Christmas break tomorrow, which is Wednesday. Yeah, well, it has to end no matter what tomorrow for the Christmas break. But it's a, it's very much an open question as to whether Jonathan Dowdall will be put back on the witness stand in January. Uh, but I would say that things sped up significantly today. Uh, Brendan Grehan had specific portions of the tape that he wanted to play to the witness. Uh, and we moved through them quite speedily. And he said that he was going to uh, speed up, as it were, uh, in relation to to those portions of the tape, whereas the first day it seemed as though he was going to start from the beginning and play all ten hours. Now that may well be the case, but it's it's certainly seeming like the defence now have picked out specific portions that they want to ask uh, John to doubt all about, and we made huge progress um, in relation to that today. John, just before we get into the evidence and I bring you and Kieran in to talk about this, there was another development outside the court in that uh, Jonathan Dowdall we understand, has launched an appeal against the severity of his sentence for facilitating the murder of David Byrne. Yeah, I mean, look, we knew uh, that he was going to do that, but uh, you're a bit more across that because obviously I was sitting in the courtroom, Mick, but you you read the report about Dowdall's uh, appeal today. So, So there are two things you can do whenever you're convicted and sentenced. You can appeal the conviction but you can't really convene, he can't appeal the conviction in this case because he pleaded guilty. So the only other thing he can do is you can appeal the, what they say is the severity of the sentence. So my mem- my recollection, he got four years after by Mr. Justice Tony Hunt after he pleaded guilty to, to you know effectively getting the, the book in the hotel room and facilitating the murder of David Byrne. Now, you have a certain number of days. My, I think it's, it's 21 working days, I think. Anyway, there is a time frame. So essentially what has happened is he is he his legal team and he believe that the four years he got is too steep and he's trying to get that cut off. So there's going to be a, an appeal court hearing, a hearing by the Court of Criminal Appeal in the at the in the first two weeks of January, and then they will put their case as to why they think the sentence should be cut. And the prosecution, on the other hand, will put their case as to why the the 
sentence should stay the same or they also have the power to ask for it to be increased. So it's very much in the hands, like this case with Miss Justice Tara Burns and the two other judges, it's in the hands of the uh, the Court of Criminal Appeal now. But anyway, on to today's evidence. How did it start off, Paul? Oh, sorry, just before I say that, I was just going to say yeah, that is the real risk when you take an appeal, isn't it? That uh, you could potentially have your sentence lengthened, uh, you know, because the prosecution, the, the DPP can argue for a heftier sentence. So he's putting a lot on the line in relation to that. Oh, yeah, definitely. But anyway, just just in relation to, to today, as I said, uh, Mr. Grahan opened things uh, by saying that he was going to speed things on a bit. So we were played uh, a portion of the audio um, where there's discussion about the the yokes, which um, Mr. Dowdall has confirmed he's talking about the AK-47s. Um, and there's talk on it, like um, in the tapes where uh, Jonathan Dowdall uh, says, kind of laughing and joking about on the video, uh, the, a YouTube video of the uh, of the incident. He says, uh, someone says, fuck me, pink, That that's not a Garda. And he kind of laughs about that. Um, and he, he was sort of challenged about that, you know, in, in the language that he use, he's using and what he's talking about. And he tells Brendan Grehan that this is all from YouTube. Uh, again, downplaying what he's saying to Mr. Hutch in relation to the Regency. Uh, this is something I saw on YouTube. Uh, he's not talking about something that he's actively aware of as though he was there or anything like that. Uh, and he said, Mr. Grehan said to him, look, you seem to have a huge interest in in uh, crime and TV um, and, and that, uh, you know, everything that you're saying, you know about, you're getting from, from TV or films. Um, we also heard a portion of the tapes where uh, Jonathan Dowdall says to Jerry Hutch that the three yokes were in itself a, a massive statement. And, and Dowdall confirms that, uh, that, that, that he did say that to him. Um, and he says that that's some statement that she was made. Now, Mr. Grehan was interested in playing that portion of the tape to him because he wanted to get across that his client, Jerry Hutch, when he's talking about the Regency, he never uses the word we in this conversation. Uh, he never says we did this and we did that. He says the word they. And he's just putting it to him that, you know, if he was directly involved in it, why wouldn't he use the word uh, we? Um, but Dowdall kind of explained all that away as well and he says that later in the tape and in later conversations Jerry Hutch did take ownership uh, and, and use the word we and he says you're just picking out portions of the tape that suit you and your argument I think it'd be a good thing to kind of just bring Kieran in here on that because uh, Ke- obviously it was Kieran Bradley's first day uh, in the in the courtroom and seeing it uh, in person and I'm just wondering just when you, you're hearing these things and hearing the tapes yourself Kieran, what you made of all of that yeah well th- thanks Az. Um, it, to be honest it, as I was listening it was reminiscent of what Mick was saying a couple of weeks ago really in that um, I remember Mick referencing the fact that there is there's clearly a trust there between Hutch and Dowdle and, and I think actually in the yeah in the sense that um, there's a lot of kind of online commentary and you know reportage that's happened uh, with regards to the case and maybe a little bit of kind of uh, opinion has, has snuck in as well but there, there there's certainly um a, a relationship there and I think you know it, it's it's kind of odd really to hear them talking because you when you look at the transcript and you look at the bulk of the words for example Dowdle seems to be saying a lot of this stuff uh, to begin with and then it's uh, it's only after a meeting that we'll come to later on where Hutch really starts to kind of warm to the conversation it seems um, but there's definitely a friendship there um, I mean 
as you were saying like as you guys have said before the 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 difficulty of actually listening and and reporting on what's happening is 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 it's extremely difficult because um it's going quite quickly the transcript is um difficult to to unpick at times as well and just to come back to one point you made earlier um paul i mean Graham and Dowdle are clearly sick to the back teeth of each other now at this stage. Like the 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 back and forth there is, it, it's very very strained uh, at best. It's kind of like seeing um, the last stages of a marriage that you know should end in divorce, but but hasn't quite yet. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, I, 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 I guess we can come back to different other observations I made, but maybe I'll throw back to you, Paul. There, that's a good way of putting it. I mean, from Brendan Graham's point of view, he's getting frustrated that Dowdall's not answering the question. And from Dowdall's point of view, he's getting frustrated that he's being asked questions that he considers have nothing to do with the Regency Hotel. And we had a, that a couple of times today, uh, where again, he was challenged about where he talks about bomb making uh, and where he references um, an incident in Finglas and about possibly blowing people up like the likes of Trevor Byrne. He says he's been challenged on this already and that he's already answered it and says it's shy talk, he didn't mean it, and again insisted it's nothing to do with the Regency. So there's frustration on, on, on both of their uh, both of their parts. Um, but, you know, I think really today Brendan Graham was more or less trying to keep uh, Dowdall a bit more on track and, he, and was probably quite successful in that today in that Dowdall does go off... Uh, script a bit and starts talking about this that and the other but he was able to get him to answer very specific questions i thought today uh much more so and then he moved on played another part of the tape asked him a question got an answer and we we just made steadier progress i thought uh in relation to that can i ask Kieran what you thought of his uh of Dido's demeanor yeah i mean the 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 this is obviously what you're drawn to you know particularly as things are, are kicking off so Dowdle is sat like to to reiterate the geography, I suppose a little bit. We're sat in the centre of the courtroom with the legal teams with their back to us. The legal teams are then facing themselves, placing the judges at the front. Uh, Dowdle is up to our far right, and and Hutch, Bonnie, and Murphy are on on the far left. Uh, Dowdle, for the most part, well, actually did not make eye contact at all with Jerry Hutch once. He didn't even make eye contact with Brendan Graham, as far as I could see. So he is um, he is quite clearly absolutely exhausted at this stage i mean whether that is somewhat put on i you know i'm not i'm not speculating that would be the case but i mean he is clearly under the strain of the cross-examination of what six six and a half days here at this stage and like i was actually taken aback a touch by how quite how impatient and angry and frustrated he sounded in his immediate responses to brennan Graham in the morning it kind of felt obviously this is you know this is not the first day not the first conversation they've had but i mean to come out the gate quite as frustrated and impatient as he was 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 quite um shocking to me and also i mean you know i i know you guys will have seen this before yourselves and maybe it's worth reiterating for listeners the the physical toll that it seems to be taking on dowdle and indeed um to a degree jerry hutch as well in the way that we're sort of used to seeing them that I mean, it is etched on Dowdle's face. I mean, he looks he looks very jaded. He looks very physically exhausted. So yeah. And and one of the the positives of you being there in the pause doing his live tweet and then he's doing his you know re- reportage, shall we say? So you bring a different set of eyes to it. So you were struck by how Dowdle looked, really. 
Yeah, I mean, there was there was a few things, really. I mean, uh, certainly that was one of them. And, and obviously, it's been reported on a fair bit. But, you know, the, he, he has a few breaks throughout the morning, which is quite understandable in the sense that this is going to take its toll. Um, but I mean... It, three breaks, I think. Three today. breaks. Possibly four. Yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it, it, as I say, um, it's interesting seeing the dynamics between Grehan and Dowdle in the sense that um, they are both, as I say, clearly sick to the back teeth of one another. But Grehan bar only two instances, I think, actually kept his tone very, very equivocal. You know, there was no even slight raising of the voices apart from two um, points, which I had noted down here, Paul, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong here, but um, there were there was a reference to an, a meeting in Armagh, um, Paul, I don't know if you recall that, uh, which we might get to in a second, and then um, a reference to we doing a hit on two people. Sorry, I, I might throw it to you here, but there, there was exchanges with Dowdle where um he kind of fell fell a little bit short yeah well in relate in in relation to we uh you know this individual we has been referred to a couple of times uh one of the people that they were speaking to up north and it's put to Jonathan Dowdle that he was uh suggesting in the tape that they get this we individual to come down to Dublin and to carry out a gangland hit uh, Dowdall firmly denied that, that he wouldn't have anybody murdered. He wouldn't ask anybody to murder anybody. Um, you know, uh, Mr. Grattan challenged him a couple of times in relation to things that he says on the tapes. Well, here you are saying it. Why don't you take ownership of it? They're your words. Uh, Dowdall dismisses everything that he says on the tapes again and again and again. And I think really at the crux of today, uh, Brendan Grattan was trying to get across from the portions of the tapes that we heard that it appears as though Jerry Hutch is the one that's looking for peace here. And Jonathan Dowdall is the one that's looking for war because you can hear certain quotes where Jerry Hutch is talking about he doesn't want to get see anybody else injured um, and, and that he, he wants peace. But then there's quotes from Jonathan Dowdall where he says, you know, you shouldn't let any of these people, you, you shouldn't leave them loose. Uh, people like Trevor Byrne, they're all bleeding liabilities, Gerard. Um, so is, he suggests to Jonathan Dowdall um that that you appear to be look, the one looking for violence, whereas the client, my client Jerry Hutch is the one uh, who's looking for the peace deal. Again, that's vehemently denied by by Dowdall, uh, and he again got annoyed. You're pick, you're only picking out certain things from the ten hour tapes that suit you. Um, it's funny that because I'll come to another point in the tape that I suppose now Mr. Grehan was arguing uh, the same argument back to to Jonathan Dowdall. Um, that that you're now picking out a portion of the tape that suits yourself because there's a section uh, where uh, they discuss something that now Dowdall says is to do with the Regency. Um, I, I want to get that quote. Sorry, I'm just... Can I ask a question actually while you're doing that, Paul? So one of the things that struck me, Paul, just listening to the, reading the court copy was on several occasions, I believe, Mr. Dowdall said that what he was elements of what he was saying on the, the bugged conversation was nonsense. Now, from an outside perspective of someone who wasn't in the last couple of days, surely that, that is a major problem for Mr. Dowdall. Because if he said A was nonsense, surely that leaves the door open for the rest of it, the conversation for being nonsense. So is he not weakening his own argument there? I think I, I think he is. Uh, I mean, this is just my personal opinion. But as I've as I've just stated, you know, there are certain portions of the tape uh, that Dowdall, I suppose, is saying this is what I mean here, and and so, uh, you know, Mister Graydon kind of put it to him. Uh, you know, you're saying something now. This is opportunistic for you to say that this is about the Regency when there's so many portions of the tape that Dowdall has dismissed as nonsense and shy talk and doesn't mean anything. 
it's it, it's worth noting that the specific phrase shy talk and nonsense fra- phrases shy talk nonsense and um I, I was trying to impress Jerry Hutch or trying to tell him the things that I thought he wanted to hear uh, he repeats those phrases those exact phrases I think he's repeated them all week I couldn't count them 25 plus times I suppose uh, um uh, Kieran you noticed that as well uh that that he appeared to be repeating himself again and again on that yeah, absolutely. I was, you know, it, it is very difficult to overstate quite how often he is referring back to his original um, uh, statements being as uh, as nonsense. And, you know, I, I don't know what is considered parliamentary or unparliamentary language, but I presume Graham hasn't hasn't talked about shite talk. You know, I, I'm sure that wasn't put to him as your your stuff is shite. So this is obviously coming from him. And look, I mean, to be honest with you, you know, and and by no means any of us are, are speculating over the veracity of, of what's being said. Um, there are points where you can understand sort of in the fogs of time that after seven years, something might not be remembered or, or certain things might not be kind of recalled. But there are certain ones where you think, oh, I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, he is constantly, constantly referring back to yeah, I was refer I was referring there, sorry, I found the quote that I was talking to just where, you know, Mr. Gretton said that, that uh, Mr. Dowdall... Uh, was being opportunistic because there's a portion of the tape, I think this took everybody in the courtroom back, um, where uh, Mr. Dowdall says that Hutch has more balls than any cunt. Um, and asked about that, uh, Dowdall today said that that was a reference to the Regency, in that he'd more balls than any cunt to do that. Um, and Mr. Gretton kind of put it to him, well, no, no, you're, you're being opportunistic and saying that that's about the Regency now. There was no suggestion of that prior. And he put it to him that he's a liar, that he's lying about that, because in this exchange, uh, Jerry Hutch says uh, that it would be very easy for him to have a brother of John Cunningham murdered in Spain, um, but that he wasn't going to do that, uh, that he that he wouldn't engage in that. He, I think he was making the point that, it, you know, if he wanted to strike and kill somebody, uh, that there was one person in particular that he had the ability to do so, but he wasn't going to do that. And that that's what Dowdall was saying, give more balls than any other cunt uh, in relation to. Uh, and and uh, Mr. Graham was saying, only now when it suits you, you're saying that's to do with the Regency. So this was a p- part of the tape that Dowdall is being, I suppose, he's saying, that's what I mean when I say that. It's just interesting in the context of there's been so many other things that he's dismissed and pushed away. Okay, so what was what was after that? What's the next on your hit list? Uh, well, speaking of hit list, you know, uh, it, it's put to Dowdall several times today that, that he was... Uh, suggesting that people be whacked, that people be murdered, uh, and and he says that this in reference to the six hitmen that tried to kill Eddie Hutch, uh, uh, that did kill Eddie Hutch, um, and that he was attempting to have these people murdered. Uh, again, he dismissed all of that as bravado and shy talk, uh, and again that he was just telling Jerry Hutch what he wanted to hear, and that there was no plot uh, to have any of these people killed that the only purpose of meeting anybody up north was about peace deal, about getting somebody involved uh, to step in the way uh, and, and to try and bring Daniel Kinahan, I suppose, to the table. Can I just clarify one thing, Paul? I, I remember listening to the boat conversation when he did speak about those people, but none of those six names have been uh, named in cross-examination, so we still don't know who those six people are. Well, uh, the one of them is, is alleged to be Trevor Byrne, um, but... Uh, 
today, uh, Jonathan Dowdell asked about this. He said he didn't really, he didn't know who any of these people were. So even though he's talking on the tapes about having six people whacked, he's saying, I don't actually know who any of these people are. And if I was really serious uh, about any of them, then then I would know their names. And he said he didn't even know who Trevor Byrne was. Uh, this is in spite of the fact that on the tape he's suggesting uh, about about possibly placing a bomb uh, under a, a mobile home that Trevor Byrne is supposed to be living in. So again, dismissing it all as as shy talk uh, when he talks about having these people murdered and whacked, he's just trying to impress Jerry Hutch. So it's very interesting. I mean, just a couple of other things uh, that kind of came out. You know, you can remember from yourself, Mick, uh, covering the audio, the transcripts. It's hard to get all of it. Um, so I don't know if you recall a section in the tape just that caught my interest where Jerry Hutch is talking about uh, who would accept a possible peace deal. And, and Dowdall actually asked him on the tape, you know, uh, would, would Bomber Kavanaugh accept it? And Hutch says something to the effect of, I could see a Bomber accepting it, but uh, he makes a, a sly remark in relation to Bomber's bird then, I'm not going to say it, but he calls her a particular word. And he says, but ultimately it would be up to Jemmy Byrne to accept it. And I just think that's an interesting sort of throwaway comment that's worth giving context to uh, as to who Jemmy Byrne is and why ultimately it would be up to him to accept any peace deal from the Hutches. Well, we do know that there is the Byrne Organised Crime Group, which is an offshoot of the Kenan cartel, and that we know that the Byrne Organised Crime Group really was driving, I suppose, the, the retaliation for the feud over the, 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 the murder of David Byrne. We know that there were several members of this gang who were really active in it, as I say, were driving it on. So you can see, and, and I think even Bomber Cavanaugh would have been regarded as part of the Byrne Organised Crime Group because he, he came from that part, and you know, there's obviously connections there. So... We were always told that it was the Byrne Organised Crime Group that wanted the bloody revenge for the murder of David Byrne. So that's just interesting that if the bugged conversation is to be believed, it's the Byrne Organised Crime Gang that really is at the core of this feud. Because we've always thought that, you know, the Kennehans farmed out the running of the feud to the Byrne Organised Crime Group. And like, like, say, for example... Freddie Thompson, he would have been linked to the Burns and we know that he was brought in at the start of the feud. You know, he's obviously doing life for the murder of Dahi Douglas, but we were always given this sort of guidance that it was a, a Byrne organised crime group sort of mission to get revenge for the murder of David Byrne. So that, that that's interesting if the bugged conversation is not shy talking, it is to be believed. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, obviously it was very personal uh, to, to those who knew David Byrne and were related to David Byrne. Uh, his death. I mean, we, his brother Liam Byrne is considered to be a, a senior Kinnahan cartel member, um, and and is somebody of interest to Gardy. Uh, so it was a very personal feud, uh, as 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 we know. Yes, okay, it involved the Kinnahan cartel, Daniel Kinnahan, but at the heart of it, a family member, a loved one, had been killed, and it was very personal to 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 certain people. Um, I think it's worth just finishing it up, but just in relation to today, a lot of the things that were said to Dowdall was, you're the bad guy here, effectively. Here, Jerry Hutch is looking for peace. There's no smoking gun on the tapes. It's all Jerry Hutch saying, I'm looking for peace. I don't want anybody injured. Whereas it's you, Jonathan Dowdall, who's suggesting that people be whacked, that you can't let some people loose, like Trevor Byrne 
Um, and that if anyone is calling for any violence or any death, it's Jonathan Dowdall, not Jerry Hutch. I think that pretty much sums up what the defence were trying to argue to Jonathan Dowdall today. So there was an awful lot said today, Paul, but the best bit may have come at the end. Yeah, right at the very end, uh, as per usual with, with, with a lot of, of this, uh, you just as you're kind of thinking you're about to clock off, a sentence comes out of nowhere. But we heard a portion on the tapes where Dowdall says to Hutch, he's never done the Regency. Uh, and Mr. Grehan put it to Dowdall, when you said yees, when yous, you mean you never did the Regency, you mean the Hutches. And Mr. Dowdall confirmed that, yes, he meant the Hutches never done the Regency when he says this to Jerry Hutch. The obvious, the obvious interest in this, the context of it is that a month prior, uh, supposedly Dowdall claims that Jerry Hutch confessed to him his own involvement in the Regency, yet here he is on the tape saying to Jerry Hutch, he has never did the Regency. Uh, we, he hasn't yet really been cross-examined on that, uh, worth saying, but uh, it's, it's a hugely significant sentence. Now, what, what's interesting, as you said, Paul, you know, because I, I was there for cer- certain days, I, I don't remember that bit. I have to say, maybe we were just scrabbling for other stuff. Do, do you, what was, did Mr. Hutch in the tape give any answer to that? Or was it just a, mm-hmm, or was it a non-committal thing? I, I, think, I think it was a non-committal thing, like, mm-hmm, yeah, because like, there's a lot of that from Hutch. Most of the talking's from Dowdall, and there's a lot of those mm-hmms and yes. And again, it was something just worth pointing out that it was said today, that Dow, um, to Mr. Dowdall, are you aware that Mr. Hutch has bad hearing? He said that he, he was aware, because there's a lot of talk, um, that Mr. Grahan was suggesting that maybe uh, Mr. Hutch was not hearing Dowdall correctly uh, as to what he was saying, because there's a lot of what's from uh, Jerry Hutch as well um, when he asks him something and Dowdall repeats himself. Um, and it's worth noting that uh, Mr. Hutch is wearing a, a headset in court um, for that very reason that his hearing isn't good. I, I expect that this will be brought up again, but it's obviously that caught all of our attention at the end um, that Dowdall said he has never did the Regency, um, when in fact he's actually alleging the exact opposite. Yeah, that it that is really interesting, and you know the the next bit of cross examination will be really, you know, of great import. I would I would suggest. So so, Kieran, just getting back to yourself, it's your first day there. What other what thoughts do you have after having been there? I did find it genuinely fascinating. I mean, it, it really is even just from a basic sort of democratic thing, seeing a you know a legal trial play out a high profile legal trial play out with the preparation that's gone into it is is fantastic i mean it's really really interesting the uh the human elements of the impatience of both dowdle and brendan Graham i found really really interesting um the i mean it, it is it is quite clearly as i've said before taking an enormous toll on absolutely everyone in that room and not least the reporters who <laughs> beside me um but no i mean it we're was, not it the was story yeah no of course not no but i mean no genuinely i, d- I did find it really interesting because like i think it, it hinges really on um dowdle basically saying i uh, all of this stuff that i'm saying in these tapes were to say what brent uh to say what jerry hutch wanted to hear or this is all nonsense in order to facilitate my ultimate goal and was it Anticlimactic being there, or was it what you thought it would be? It was really no. It wasn't anticlimactic at all. I have to say. I mean, you, you know, I, I think basically you, you're, we're so inclined in the media, and particularly from a production point of view, to maybe view this as somewhat of a melodrama and try to narrativize it in in such a way uh, that would be of interest to the audience. 
But the reality is that obviously it hits you like a punch in the face that this is someone died as a result of this, and you know there are lives on the line in 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 various forms with with Dowd and Hutch, um, in in the dock and in the witness stand themselves. So I mean, it really is. Um, it really gives you uh, a, a re up of the respect for the democratic process that we have. Um, and I, I, you know, I just think we have some exceptional professionals, um, both. Uh, you, uh, you know, on the benches and uh, in the galleries and uh, and the like. So we should be very, very grateful. But I mean, it is just genuinely really interesting. And I would say to anyone, and I, I realise we're kind of pre-Christmas, if anyone does have an interest in, 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 in this process, then by all means, go and see it if you can, because it really is, if not even this uh, trial, then, then another, because it really does give you a, a, a re-up in the respect you have for the, the process. And did they let you sit in the elite press section or were, with, were you with the real people? Well, I bought my own throne, actually. So I, uh, I was just... I, sm- I smuggled uh, him in. <laughs> I smuggled him in. Yeah, he, no, he, he really poor rank. I was, I was sat there. I was sat outside with the plebs. No, but I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, but no, it was really cool. Um, and uh, I mean, you know, genuinely, it, it's, it's really interesting to see play out. And I think... Um, as, as, as Paul's obviously referred to with regards to the evidence of, of Jonathan Dowdle, you know, we are nearing the end of everyone's tether with this one way or another. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in the next few days. Yeah, I, I do I do think it's, maybe we'll talk about this when we're wrapping everything up, but I do think it's interesting the amount of time that the defence has spent with Jonathan Dowdall as opposed to uh, the amount of time that the prosecution spent with him. They picked out very particular things, the prosecution, I mean, as to what they wanted Dowdall to confirm, specifically the reference to the village and to the AK-47s being the three yokes, but they didn't want to question Dowdall at length. They didn't want to really spend too much time with him, whereas the defense couldn't spend any more time with him if they tried. Um, I just find that interesting. Maybe we can comment on that further in the future, but it just it, it might be worth talking about that again. That's the one thing that surprised me, I have to say. So it's now seven days done. I had no expectation that he would be on the, the witness stand that length of time. And it's clearly not finished because he hasn't been dismissed by the judge. So we're going to have at least one more day. And that was has come as a real shock for me. I'm trying to think. Now, I know, you know, it's it's an, a unique uh, situation because there's 10 hours of tapes and he, they have the right to question about any aspect of it, of his evidence. But I really did not think it would go this long at all. No, me neither. Uh, nor did Jonathan Dowdall clearly, because he's very frustrated. <laughs> so, Kieran, what, what what do you think about that? Well, there were there, there were two points that I, I found really interesting today from an evidential point of view. And as I say, this is on the proviso that you know I'm, I'm not as experienced in court reportage as, as Paul or yourself. But um, really, and it comes back to the kind of dynamics between Brenda Graham and, and Jonathan Dowdall again, which was. Um, there was reference in the transcript, uh, and I, I hesitate to get the exact wording of it right, but there was a, a talk of a meeting between himself and the continuity, which everyone had taken to mean the continuity IRA in Armagh down a laneway. And Grant had gone back and said, you know, this was clearly a reference to a meeting with you and the continuity IRA. And he said, I don't know. And, you know, Grant's response was quite withering in its lack of response in a way. And then there was another one as well when we were talking when uh, some of you referred to earlier about you're talking about we coming down and doing a hit on two people, aren't you? And he says, "I don't know." And then Graham says, "Oh, come on." I mean, you know, we are we are really at the end of uh, of their particular tethers with with one another there. 
but I think um, you know, as, as we've said before, and in not so many ways, like if if your if your case, if your Jonathan Dowdle is that you know I'm just telling Jerry Hutch what he wants to hear, or I'm just talking nonsense, or I'm talking shite, as he said a number of times, that's you know that's a, a pretty big coverall. Um, but there are certain things at times where I would maybe venture that it stretches credulity, and that's going to be as ever. It's we can have our own analysis and our own opinions, but really at the end of the day, what really matters is the decision and the view taken by the three judges when they have their judgment and it's up to them to decide on what they accept and what they don't. And it's as simple as that, but, you know, it's a it's a court case and we're allowed to offer our analysis on it. Absolutely. I think we can leave it there because there's probably a lot more to discuss tomorrow. It'll be the last day that we can have uh, Jonathan Dowdell before Christmas. Who knows what surprises are yet in store? Um, so I'll say thanks very much for listening to us in the meantime thanks for coming on as well Kieran, and thanks for having me thank you Mick for being a great host and whatnot. that was great three for the price of two thank you <laughs> thanks very much cheers <laughs>